welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, this mini-series part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute, and thanks for rejoining us for the regular listeners. And of course, welcome to those listeners for the first time. We're hoping these conversations will attempt to shed some light on what the smart people within high performance are doing now, or will plan to do in the future when sport returns to our lives. Alongside me once again is founder and CEO of Gaines Group and my colleague in California, Mr. Steve Gira. Good morning, Steve. How's LA this morning? Morning. It's uh, it's good. Um, it's uh, it's starting to heat up here. It's starting to get really, really hot here, and uh, it was fun to watch the NFL draft uh, last night and and see a little bit more, see players again, even though they weren't playing. It was good to see players again and athletes. And so excited to talk to Sean today and uh, and hear about uh, what he's uh, talking about with his athletes. Absolutely. Well, the sun's out here as well. Not quite as warm as LA, I'm sure. But our guest today is our first Kiwi on the episode. Uh, and he's been over in the US since about 92, I think. He's former NBA player and coach and now general manager of the Brooklyn Nets. It's Sean Mark. Sean, how are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. How's, how's working from home for you? Is it a new experience you've had to get used to or is it something that you've, you've been used to for a while now? Well, I think this is about seven weeks, six, seven weeks of this. So, um, you know, we're, we're coping as best we can. I'm, I'm not sure that this is something I, I, I ever want to get used to, but, um, you know, the, this is the cards that I think we've all been dealt. So we're, we're trying to figure out how opportunistic we can be and, and, and manage this process as we go. Absolutely. And um, I know you're kind of just, just outside New York and Connecticut. How's, how's the Marks family and also the, the Nets family organization as well? Yeah, you know, the, the, the Marks family in general is trying to figure out homeschooling like, you know, millions and millions of other people out here. Um, thankfully, the principal's downstairs and she does a great job of that. So <laughs> that well. I try and handle the rest. And, and as in terms of the, the Nets family, you know, this is really just something that completely transcends basketball. So I think first and foremost, it's been, it's, I'm glad you said it's a family because that's the way we look at things here. So priority number one is, is everybody's, you know, individual health and safety and their families first. So yeah, that's really what we've been focused on, you know, making sure we handle that over the last, you know, at least few weeks before we really start concentrating on on resuming to play and so forth absolutely and away from the homeschooling which i'm sure is a challenge within itself how are you spending your your time right now is it a, a reflective moment or are you upskilling yourself how, how are you how are you focusing your time you know co- combination of of a little bit of everything uh i think the, the initial week to 10 days was was really not focused on work and, and you know it was more focused on you know what does the future entail here from from a health and family perspective and and, and when I say that, that that goes for the entire organization and are we doing everything we can for for our players and staff and what else do they need and what could be coming down the pipeline and so forth and just making sure we give everybody their own personal space I thought that was important just you know I didn't want to just you have to acknowledge what's going on in the world and everybody is dealing with this in a slightly different way. You know, they're obviously focused on, you know, again, some people have kids, some people don't, some people living by themselves in an apartment. Others are, are, are doing what I'm doing and trying to deal with the homeschooling piece. So just giving them their own, you know, their own time to focus there before we started really focusing on, all right, well, let's make sure we're up to speed on the draft and, and what it looks like when we when we do come back, wherever that is. And Sean, what uh, what are some of the? Um, I mean, none of this was expected, right? Um, I, there there aren't a lot of people who had pandemic plans. 
um, in their back pocket, um, except for governments. Um, and even then, when you have those, as we see, sometimes you don't necessarily follow those, right? So, so none of this is, you, you didn't necessarily have a plan for any of this, right? But what are some of the unexpected things that have come up um, with your players or with your staff that you, you've had to address in the last, uh, last six to seven weeks? Unexpected things. Well, I think there's been quite a few. I think I, I would say this. I've been pleasantly surprised um, just with the, the level of ownership that everybody has taken in this. And, and you know, the, everybody's leaning on each other. It, it's been really great to see that, that that's the sort of culture that people have. And, and we've got people whose spouses are, you know, they're first responders. So they're working in the healthcare industry, you know, and not, including our own staff members from doctors and, and so forth. So there's a lot of people who are, who are really on the front lines here. And just the care and the empathy that's been, that's been given across the board has been great. And it's also been really nice to do a little bit of an evaluation. Of, you know, we've been able to have time now to sit back and say, all right, well, here's our processes. We would have normally been doing this. Is that the right thing to do at the right time? And so we're looking back at the processes and the protocols that we have in place, like, for instance, at the draft. And you know, we're doing a lot of our work over, over teleconferences and Zoom chats and so forth. And we're just trying to be as efficient as we can with these set of circumstances, but also spend a little bit of time evaluating of like, you know, this is, this is where we are right now. Have we been doing it the right way? And could we be doing this, this a little bit more efficiently or better? And then on that, on that, Sean, um, you guys are having discussions and, and talking about, you know, looking at your process. How, how much scenario planning are you doing for um, when and if the NBA starts playing this season again? Yeah, look, we have to prepare for everything. So every different scenario we could we could possibly imagine, we have to prepare for. I mean, we're preparing that the draft is going to be June 25th, even though we're, we're all assuming that things will be pushed and dates will be pushed back and, and we'll have to adjust. But none of us want to be caught, you know, not prepared and sitting there expecting something to happen and, and it doesn't. You know, I think what we've seen with this pandemic is it's very fluid. I mean, things change all the time from whether we're allowed to go outside, whether we're not, not allowed to go outside, what are we allowed to do in public and shortage of resources and so forth. And, you know, all the planning that's been going on from a, from a building standpoint and everything, but things change. So that's why, you know, we just have to make sure that, you know, over the next, wherever it is, if it's, if it's six weeks, if it's six months that, you know, we're prepared as well as we can be for, you know, every possible outcome. That must be a hard, a hard balance then, because, you know, you can put a return to action timeline in place, but also you've obviously got to focus on the here and now and what your athletes are thinking on a day to day to day basis. How, how, have you and your staff been approaching that balance between right how are athletes coping today and tomorrow but also do we need to be getting something in their minds about returning in a, in a certain amount of time I think that goes back to you know and I don't know the right answer to this I think it goes back to making sure everybody has their own personal time as well I think it would be a big mistake to just carry on as life is life is normal but you're you're working from home you know you have to show that level of empathy to staff and, and players and, and everybody for that matter and acknowledge, you know, some of the issues that are happening. But then it, I think it is important to have a somewhat sense of normalcy. Like, guys, we have to prepare as, as we should. And whether that's returning to play from the player's perspective and, and you know, giving them as, as best we can the means to succeed. So that if, if that's delivering, um, you know, stationary bikes to their houses and food to their houses and, you know, the, the, the essential needs, 
to prevent them from having to go out, um, you know, in, in public and so forth and to stay in some semblance of shape, you know, that's, that's going to be great. And then from a staff perspective and, and even all the way up to, to ownership is preparing for, hey, look, this is how this affects salary cap and this could affect the bottom line over the next, not just this season or the next season, but this could affect, this will have ramifications, you know, way down the road here, you know, as it pertains to, you know, P&L and, and, and um, you know, players' salaries and, and just how we do business. And so it sounds like you're spending a lot of your time preparing your staff and players. And um, I got to do a discussion with some some lads from uh, uh, Collingwood the other day about, um, the, you know, they, you know, the AFL actually played games in, fr- uh, in front of no fans, right? No fans whatsoever. And so they've already had that experience. That's going to be something that's going to be new for your players. So, how are you? Have you have you started to think about like some of the things that you have to do in you know outside of your normal routine when you guys do get back to play? If if there are no fans in the stadium, yeah, you know, playing playing in front of no fans is, is certainly going to be an interesting dynamic. I think it probably goes. It'll give people a little bit of semblance of what it was like in the summer times and the regular pickup games and so forth. But I also think it's going to give the end. NBA and it'll give teams an opportunity to think a little differently and you know how how are we presenting the sport you know the sport's always been played in front of you know thousands and thousands of fans and in full arenas and so forth with with a game presentation that's kind of like none other so if we are forced to play in front of no fans, so, well, what avenues does this open up for us? You know, in terms of just the broadcasting and and you know who is able to be in the crowd? You know, what does that look like? Are these games streamed? Who's commentating on the games? You know, how, how does social media now play a role, a bigger role? How do streaming services play a bigger role in this? You know, I think it's it's going to be interesting because, you know, the general public is is probably clamoring to not just watch basketball, but, you know, maybe any sport out there, something else on TV to get behind and, and, and root and cheer for. So, you know, I, I think if we can come back in a safe manner, this presents some opportunities for us that, you know, whether it's scheduling or just how the games are presented that we should take advantage of it maybe into the next few years. And so that, so that brings up like a, something that we keep, we keep asking uh, a lot of folks whenever I talk to them. Um, what are some of the things that you think should exist in the NBA when all things are, are said and done? You know, some of these crazy ideas and um, or maybe just something that you think practically, you know, probably will have to exist in the NBA. Are we talking about like a shortened season at potentially? Are we talking, you know, what are some of the things that you think you, know, you definitely need to happen uh, post-COVID? Well, I think the first and foremost one is we have to realize that when we do return to life as we thought was normal, uh, it's going to look a little different. And, uh, you know, I think we got, we're, we're we're game planning for that now. Um, obviously, from a just purely from a health hygiene cleanliness standpoint, from how our arenas and how our practice facilities look and feel, uh, I think how we travel. In, you know, we're we're the majority of the NBA is sharing planes, um, sharing buses. You know, the, the same transportation services are used by multiple teams. Uh, you know, what does it look like for staff? You know, we, we've talked about essential staff being cut down a little bit now to make sure that there's not the touch points with everybody. So, I think just weighing up all those options, you know, we'll we'll see 
quite a difference. Do you, do you travel with families anymore? Something, you know, we did, but but who knows? And and the overall cleanliness. But I do think it's going to give us an opportunity to look back and really see how this game is presented. And I think the NBA has done an amazing job in the past of being such a fan-friendly fan experience. And so we don't want to lose that. You know, I think it's important that we have our you know, 17, 18,000 fans in there cheering for our guys. And, and our guys are, are so close to the fans. I think that's what makes basketball so unique, you know, whereas there's such recognizable people, you know, and the touch points that our fans have with guys coming in and out of arenas and buses and, and so forth. But some of those things are, are just going to have to change. And I think everybody's going to realize that, you know, life as we know it is not going to be the same. You talk about existing when we get back and I think not necessarily the sport, but in terms of soft skills, you know, you talked a bit about the ownership that your players have taken, which has really pleased you. Are there, are there things that you've seen the athletes or your staff do in this period that you thought, wow, that's an incredible quality that we have within our building that, that you want to see exist maybe in, you know, in your values, in your culture, when you, when you do get back to back to working together in person are there things there whether it's communication or ownership or that, that you think wow that's that's a great quality let's embed that within our organization further yeah no 100 percent. i think that it's you know during times like this of heightened anxiety where uh, you know i don't think any of us have you know really been through this before or anything quite like this where it's affecting you know the the, the globe you know global population and and not not just our sport this is far bigger as i said before far bigger than the game of basketball, but it's been, it's, it has been great for me to see just the level of empathy and the level of care, you know, that's, that's just embedded in the people in the organization. That gives me a lot of pride. I'm, ex- I'm extremely proud of, of, of the group and, and the resilience that they've shown. You know, as I said before, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are, are, are putting themselves in harm's way and the care and, and the fact that they're leaning on each other has just been great to see and i think that's something that you know we'll certainly have to acknowledge you know throughout this but also at, at the end of this so um you know we're we're right in the heart of it here in, in brooklyn and new york and i think some of the sights and sounds that we've seen over the past seven weeks cannot be ignored and you know from a from a borough and from a city what the, what it's gone through and and, and the net's role that we play now and hopefully we play, you know, way into the future here uh, is going to be vital. And, and, you know, I I look forward to that and I look forward to seeing how, you know, how large a role we can all play and bring in the city back and so forth. If we pivot slightly now towards the, you know, away from the current situation, you know, it's been exciting kind of four years since 2016, since you took the job as GM and, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of meet you and head out to Brooklyn to the facility, you know, that year, and you've been improving every year, especially with, in terms of results. How do you reflect on that journey so far? And I know how ambitious you are, but you know, what have you learned from your time so far? And also, how do you look forward and think how you want to continue this journey? What What are the lessons? Oh man, there's a there's, there's a lot of lessons. Go, um, you know, I think I was very fortunate to have you know had the mentors in the game prior to coming here, and you know, I, I still reflect a lot on you know, my days as a journeyman player and spending time with, you know, the Spurs and the Heath and Suns and Norns and so forth. So, you know, there's a lot of life lessons I take from those organizations and, and, and obviously try and implement them as, as best I can here. But it starts first and foremost with, with the people. And, you know, if, I think if you hire right and if you bid on the people, uh, that's number one priority. I think there's a skill set. There's undoubtedly that you need. But 
you're, you're able to train and you're able to upskill if those people are willing to do that. And that goes for all of us, starting with me. But if you bring in people with the same values, the same level of commitment and competitive spirit and, and the, the willingness to sacrifice, that's, that's number one priority. So all the people that we've hired here over the course of the last four years have, like me, left a really good job. And they had to sacrifice something to come here. And they believed in, you know, whether it was, you know, the, the vision, the nets, myself, or ownership, whatever, whatever it is, they have sacrificed something. So automatically they have ownership in everything we do. Our day-to-day -day activities, it doesn't revolve around just one person. This is a complete collaboration. And, you know, I don't have to remind them of that because they, they know right from the get-go is they, they, cho they chose to come here. and and their voice is loud and they have an opportunity to speak up and, and make changes here. So that's, that's been, that's been great. Um, you know, I think for me personally, you know, the biggest lesson, you know, I have, and I have it written on my board at, at work and it's just a reminder every day is just to pause, just to stop um, and, and do a lot of listening. You know, I, I think the first couple of years here, I, I had to do, probably too much talking and and now it's a little bit more listening and and listening to the people who are growing and developing and and that's been that's been tremendous but for me it's just to sit back and and pause and soak it in before um making decisions you know i think we have to have to make sure we do this you're taking in everything into account and i, I don't want to make a rash decision and so forth and i certainly won't be making this by myself there's no question there sean on that front <clears throat> you, you know when you talk about bringing you know people who you know have been at great jobs and and then convincing them to come uh to the nets you know what are talk me through that recruitment and and assessment process you know and how you look at the values and the culture of your organization and not just the ability what are what are those like very specific values, cultures, or behaviors that you're looking for out of the staff and players who you're pulling into uh, the Nets environment? Yeah, I think for, as I said before, it's, it's definitely a, uh, what are they willing to sacrifice and can, can they get over themselves? I think that's really important. And that's something that, um, you know, Coach Popovich talked a lot about in San Antonio is you have to be able to get over yourself. We have an 82 game season prior to playoffs and there's, there's a lot of ups and downs and high level anxiety and dark days during those 82 games. So it's not everybody is going to be upbeat and optimistic, you know, the entire time. And it's, we're going to have to rely on a group here that can pick each other up, but you know, not take yourself too seriously. At the end of the day, it, it's a sport we're playing. And, and I know we have a job to do here, but I think we have to do it with the right frame of mind, you know, going into this and saying, look, just how lucky we are to do this and to do it with good people is really important. So you have to be able to have fun with each other and, and joke around a little bit. You know, I, I cannot, you know, be too high and mighty to, to, to not be able to be the, the bunch of jokes. And I think the office quite enjoys taking that on me, which look, I, I remember when I was the assistant GM in San Antonio, I used to have a lot of fun doing that, <laughs> doing that there. And now look, it's, it's come full circle. So I, I think those things are great when, when you can laugh and you can spend time with each other in that form and fashion. I think that's really important. 
And then t talk me through how you think about, um, you know, weighing the uh, character versus just the pure athletic ability and pure talent. Just from a player standpoint or staff and everybody? Staff and players, yeah. I mean, like, are you willing to take on, you know, some folks who are supremely talented, um, um, even though they may not be necessarily the perfect, you know, cultural fit? They have some aspects, but you probably need to give them some some additional space for them to, to be themselves. Yeah, well, I think – you, you, we all know that you know talent definitely wins games, and you you, you want to go out there with the with the highest talent you possibly can. Now, having said that, you don't want it to be detrimental to you know, the team because it is a team sport, and and the culture that you're trying to trying to drive here, and it needs to be driven by everybody. I think it's really important that you can't have one or two culture drivers uh, within the organization. That has to be driven from behind the scenes by by really everybody, everybody that wears a, whether it's a Nets uniform or has a Nets logo or emblem on, on, on their polo shirt from behind the scenes, they are helping to drive this and they know exactly what our big rocks are as an organization. So from a player standpoint, you know, we have to be willing to say, look, if we bring in, you know, player X, Y, Z and their talent is supremely above everybody else, okay, how does that affect what we're trying to do here, long-term, short-term. How does that affect the group that's already in place, the culture that's already in place? And, you know, by doing the intel and, and really sitting down and meeting those guys and, and talking to them saying, hey, tell me why you want to be here. And that's important. Like, they need to have buy-in. It's It should not just be a dollar figure. This this should be something bigger than that. You know, I want to see that what makes them tech, what moves them, what motivates them. Is it a family? Is it a legacy? You know, and what is it? Once they have ownership in this and, and they've chosen to be here again, it's like staff. These guys, whoever it may be, it could be the 15th guy on your bench, but they know the role. The role is clearly outlined and they're willing to sacrifice. And that, we're going to ask our top players to sacrifice because the, everybody's going to have to change slightly, you know, in, in this team dynamic. You know, I've been on, you know, teams that have won the whole thing. And I've been on teams that have come really close and teams that have come nowhere near uh, winning a championship. But the great teams, the teams that have always superseded expectations or even lived up to the expectations are the ones that everybody knew their role. Everybody had a buy-in to that. And there was, a, there was a level of sacrifice from your elite players all the way through. And, and obviously that goes without saying from staff members and myself included. I know you're, uh, I know you're friends with Brett Brown and I had, a, I, I asked him along um, back when they were in like at the very beginning of the 76ers uh, rebuild. And he talked about how um, I remember asking him this question around, you know, his culture. And he said, you know, the interesting thing is, is that the culture of our building right now is one of rebuild, but eventually, you know, the assumption is that we're going to have two to three, you know, incredibly high caliber players. And I have to make sure that the culture of that team at least mimics, you know, or has aspects of the culture of this team. Otherwise the, the guys who are on this team who make it into that team won't, won't really be able to, to operate as well as they have. So it's that shift from the rebuild phase to the, to the, uh, you know, you have superstars on your team phase. And, and it seems like you guys, you guys are obviously getting ready to, to go through that if you're not already going through it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when, when you guys get full back to back to full health next year, you know, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the things um, that you guys are really kind of 
starting to think about not only around either style of play, but then also um, how you just integrate everything and, and make that shift. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And I think what we've done over the last four years is, is try and implement uh, like a leadership group because I, I don't, I don't know that I believe in one captain or two captains, you know, and, and because I think a lot of times, you know, on a lot of different teams, a lot of different sports, your, your, your best player may actually not have the voice to lead and may not actually want it. Um, you know, there are, there are occasions where that's, that's not true, but I think within a leadership group and by forming that, whether it's four, five, six players, and that's what we've, we've done. Um, maybe that involves a couple of staff members at the right time, but when you've got a group that is, is willing to debate and willing to discuss um, amongst themselves first and then and then come up with you know with an answer and then come over to me or, or the or the coach and and, and you give us their opinions that's important so along the the last four years we've we've been slowly integrating a, a variety of guys in here that we think look you know uh, Karis Levert for instance you know Spencer Dinwiddie Joe Harris these guys that have been here for a while you know you guys have a big voice now and just because we're bringing in you know, whether it's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and so forth, you guys still you are going to help to drive this culture. You've been here longer than they have. You will be able to help them, and you know, just navigate Brooklyn, navigate the borough, um, Barclays Center expectations, and so forth. But then on the other hand, we also need to realize like when you're bringing in those elite players and you know you know winners like Kevin and Kyrie. You know, our culture is going to have to learn and grow and adapt to them as well because those those guys have there's no defensive system that those guys haven't seen they've been in in every possible position you can you can possibly name whether that's on or off the court so for us it's going to be leaning on them and say okay you tell us you, you what do you need to be successful here and and lead by you know telling us a couple of examples you know tell us some stories here and 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 share those with your teammates. And I think that's where, you know, we're sort of coming in and, and meeting in the middle and, and, and hopefully, you know, we take those next steps and as we continue to grow as a group. That evolution piece is really, really interesting. I think a lot of people listening would be going through or planning through that going from rebuild to right now we're competing and now we're expecting to, you know, win, you know, all our games because we want to be at the top of that top of that tree I guess the culture that you were trying to set in 2016 is probably very different now and you talk about the evolution how how frequently do you take that step back as as a as a leader yourself with the coach also with the senior leadership group of players to take a step back and say right are we, are we needing to evolve this culture a little bit how, how frequently do you and that leadership group think about that you know I think we we're constantly evaluating that I, I don't think we should you know we do have various different times throughout the year where we um, you know, have sort of circled these dates and saying, okay, now this is a good time to do a debrief on, uh, on where we stand and, and the processes and protocols and culture and so forth and what needs to change. But I think you also have to have the willingness to really look at it on a daily basis. I mean, there are things that come up all the time, like, well, we do it this way. Well, yeah, but why do we do it this way? I think you've got to ask yourself why. And, you know, I've been fortunate where I've had really good staff members and some have obviously gone on to, to, to other places and taken, you know, um, further steps, which has been terrific for them, but, and, and their fingerprints are going to have been, and always will be all over this, over this build. And, but there's also new people that have come in and they're bringing their expertise and experiences 
from other teams. I think it's really important that we stop for a minute and really ask them, well, what have you seen elsewhere and why did it work there? Or what do you notice here? Because I think we could, you almost have to do a cultural audit because I think if you just say, this is what our culture is. And, you know, I think you have to feel it and you have to have other people from the outside tell you what your culture is. It's very important that you don't just sit here and parrot. Well, this is what we do. This is, this is it. But when you're actually not living that all of a sudden, you know, that can hit you right between the eyes. You go, okay, great. You, you know, you're right. I thought we were doing this all the time. We need to hit a little bit of a reset button here, reevaluate where we're going or whether we are true to our, our values and the culture that we set out for, you know, four years ago. And I guess the beauty of bringing in winners like Kyrie and Kevin is you know you can you can steal things from them that they they know that have been great traits where they've been before and implement them and add them to your culture already I think a lot, you know we've had a lot of leaders on these discussions talk about you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with stealing ideas from other people if they've been successful especially in other sports so I guess you're you're thinking like that when you're bringing the more competitive people into your setup as well uh, absolutely absolutely and, and that's I think that curious nature is something that our group thrives on. I think that's that's maybe a competitive advantage. You know, if if, if your competitive advantage is fueled by your curiosity, I think that certainly helps. But yeah, different stealing things from players that have been in other organizations and they're coming in here and saying, "Hey, what? How could we improve? What what have you seen elsewhere that we should maybe adjust or change and and so forth?" And that and that goes for staff as well. And and you know, I hate to say it, but you know, during these last six, seven weeks with this pandemic, it has given really staff and, and probably players too, but it's given us all an opportunity to reach out to people all around the world and, mm. you know, really reevaluate what we're doing, some of our strategies and protocols and so forth and, 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 and learn and listen. So as you, uh, so, so Sean, staying on that idea of like looking at, you know, other, you know, ideas from around the globe and other people from around the globe and staying on staff for a second, you know, can, can you spot like future coaches and future front office execs in your team now? Um, and then also, you know, how are you going, can, can you spot them like at, at other teams um, and, and, uh, and, 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 or like other players that you come into contact with? Talk a little bit about like how you actually think about, you know, right now, the evolution of your staff as much as you do your, uh, your player roster. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's really important. Just like you have a, uh, you know, a best available list for your, 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 your talent on the court, you know, there, there's a list of, of um, staff and personnel, you know, really all around the world that you need to have a list for. You need to say, because you never know when somebody's going to, get an opportunity or something changes within the family dynamic or, or, or and so forth. And, and they need to, they need to leave or make the decision to, to move on and so forth. And I look back at my time again, personal experiences when I was with the Spurs and, you know, I knew, you know, even back to my playing days with them that, Hey, this is an organization I'd like to be a part of one day. And, you know, we stayed in close contact with pop and RC and, and throughout the following four or five years before I, before I eventually came back there and, and worked my way up. So, you know, what, whatever they saw in me, you know, I, I'm trying to, also make sure that I, I see that and, and whether that's players that, you know, maybe be able to make the jump over to, to front office or coaching staff. And we're evaluating those guys, you know, not just on our team, but all around the league. And there, there are several of them, but then your current staff, you know, I, I think it's so important that I do to my best of my ability, give this group here uh, a pathway to develop and a pathway to succeed. You know, I, I'm not opposed to, 
the people leaving, I think if, if when their time is up and they have better opportunities that, that I can give them here, I think that's, that's terrific. And everybody knows that there, there's no, there's nothing hidden behind the scenes here, it, it, but their development is the number one priority. And that starts right off the bat with empowering them. And I think when people come in here and they know they're empowered and they have ownership in every decision we make. And we've said from day one, you know, our interns are going to be in the draft room with us. Our interns are going to be involved in free agency. You know, I would much rather have a big collaborative group than be stuck in my office with one or two staff members, you know, trying to make those decisions. That's, that's not honestly the way I like to work. And, and to be quite frank, I'm not good enough. So I, I want to pick everybody's brain. And we're, we're very fortunate to have the people that have, wanted to to join us you know over the past four years and you know obviously I'm, I'm thrilled to have this group but again i know that many of them will probably leave whether it's this year next year or, or in the, or in the future and and that's just part of it and you you embrace it and give them a hug on the way out and you, you hope you did everything you possibly could for them while they were here and and these the, this group of people is going to have a great deal of success because i know within the ranks here there there are multiple people that you know could certainly do what I, what i'm doing that's that must be such a powerful value within within the building to have you know that you're you're so willing to promote from within and empower from within and i'm sure you you will like you said there you'll hug people and say good luck because they'll be poached by other organizations but i guess that's a moment to be proud as well you know that they, maybe their journey for now has come to an end with the nets but then they go on to something better and you've helped them get there i guess going through that journey yourself it helps you with that and, and from a mentor point of view it, it must be nice to, to look back on your journey from lots of different you know teams like you said as a player and then onto the spurs to, to now maybe come in full circle and being able to do that with staff under your umbrella as well a hundred percent i don't think there's anything better than than that i mean that's to me that's like winning a championship that's like you know winning a playoff series or whatever it is but when, when you uh when you see the development of, of staff and players and the ownership and they can take it to another level that's that's just as rewarding i mean that's you're winning when that's happening and you know I, and i think that directly correlates to the to the wins and losses that you know everybody sees in the box scores and so forth but you know I, i'm to be honest I'm, I'm indebted to 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 the nba to to the opportunities that i was i was given so to be quite frank for, for me to be selfish and not to pay that forward and, and let people also feel the same type of empowerment that I was given um, with my time with, with San Antonio, that would be um, extremely selfish of, of, of me. And to be quite frank, not, you know, just that wouldn't be enjoyable. Not, not how I want to work. Sean, you mentioned there developing, um, you know, other people and developing yourself. <clears throat> um, which kinds of developing yourself right now? Give us, give us a book, a podcast, something that you're, uh, that you're chewing on right now that you're feeding your brain with um, that uh, some of our listeners might, um, enjoy picking up. What sure. Been yeah, right now? Well, the book I just finished, uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Jocko Willock. And yeah, I've read a couple of his books. Um, I, I do like to look at, no, I don't, to be honest, I don't read a whole lot of basketball books. I would rather have those conversations with the right people at the right time. But I do, you know, because I don't have I've never lived, you know, as a SEAL team member or, or so forth or an all black or, or you know, an EPL GM. I think it's important wherever I can 
um, read books or, or watch documentaries and so forth that you know maybe have a little crossover, a little cross pollination between you know what I'm doing, whether that could be strategy, that could be you know, recruitment, you know, it, it, whatever it may be. I, I think you know there are some lessons that we can learn from that. So I do enjoy reading those type of books. All right, and so uh, since you, since you don't you're not spending your time um, you know all your time just reading uh, about basketball, obviously, um, and and I do appreciate the fact that um, folks in the NBA tend to take themselves a little less seriously than than, than people from like the NFL, perhaps, right? And I worked I've worked in both in both leagues. Um, and so I can definitely attest to that. So what about some weird stuff? What about like, what's your guilty pleasure right now? Brain candy? Like, and I'll give you an example. So the other day I found myself going down a Katy Perry uh, video rabbit hole. Um, and it, I'll tell you what, it was brilliant. So like, what are, what are, what are some of the things that you've been feeding your brain um, or maybe your kids are feeding your brain inadvertently? Well, that's, you know, I, I do think it's a, it's really important to have, you know, something outside of this. I, I don't know that basketball per se defines me. Um, it's probably something I'll, I, I'm known at, known for, but um, you know, I don't want that to just define me. So there's, it's, it's important to have those guilty pleasures. Um, you know, I do, I am craving and looking forward to the next uh, season of Billions. So I, I'm mm. looking forward to that. I uh, can't wait for that to come out. But this this time, you know, when we've been you know, in quarantine at home has given me a, a really neat opportunity to really reconnect with my kids. And I know that sounds, geez, how come he needs to be reconnected with his kids? But I, I will say this, in 20 years, I, I've never spent five or six weeks in, in one place at home. And, and to be here and to really... To, to really get to, to know them again. And I know that sounds a little silly, but to just to enjoy mealtimes, you know, to have had a dinner time, you know, on a consistent basis for 40 nights. I mean, they may be sick of me for sure after about four or five <laughs> nights. But again, I think it is a special moment. So I do enjoy that. And, and doing some tasks with the kids, whether that's, you know, playing hoops in the driveway or, or literally just helping homeschool from time to time. As I said, the, the principal downstairs does does most of that. So I let her her handle that. But, you know, we had a, you know, a, a fun little um, family project. We built a dog house for, for, for the big dog. And so just silly little things like that, that I would never have had the time to do even in the, in the summer, you know, to be able to get out back and have the kids hacking away and hammering nails and so forth. That was pretty fun. You know, we, we had, we got some, some good laughs and some, some memories out of that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I built a birdhouse with my uh, three-year-old the other day. Don't give a three-year-old a hammer. But no, I agree with you. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's a lot of people who work in sports were so busy taking care of our, our family um, at the arena or at the stadium, or at the pitch, or at the practice facility, um, that uh, that sometimes our our real, you know, our, our family, family, um, um, and it it's yeah, it's great to have time with them right now. So I think that that's well said. Well, Sean, listen, this was brilliant, um, very insightful, um, always interesting to chat with you. Um, you know, please stay safe. Uh, you know, best to you and your family, and good luck in the future. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Be safe to everybody out there. And I, again, thanks for having me on.
No, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure to speak to both you chaps. Um, appreciate your time. Um, Sean, stay safe across the pond. Uh, send our best to, to Michael, Les, Amanda and the rest of the team. Um, that's it for another At Home With Leaders episode, but you can find this podcast as well as all the others that we create on the Leaders Content Hub as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Sean and his staff are part of the membership network and he also spoke at our event in New York in 2016. So if you want to watch those sessions plus access all the other great content and be part of a worldwide network like the Nets, then head over to leadersinsport.com forward slash performance to learn more about the home of total high performance. As always, thank you to John Porch for pulling these podcasts together behind the scenes. You're doing a terrific job. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon.